0: On today's episode, Injury Chat Insights with Alex and Sarah. Welcome to the podcast, helping you train, rehab, and run smarter. When I first started running in my 20s, I knew it would be something I'd be passionate about for the rest of my life. But unfortunately, developing injury after injury disrupted my progress and left me under trained at the start line on race day. Even with my knowledge as a physio, I still fell victim to the vicious injury cycle and when searching for answers, struggled to decipher between common running myths and evidence-based guidance. That's what this podcast is here to help you with. So join me as a Run Smarter Scholar and let's break the injury cycle by raising your running IQ and achieving running feats you never thought possible. Thanks for everyone's well wishes and asking me uh, when the baby is due. I know I didn't talk about it last episode, I don't think. Um, any day now. I am not a dad yet. Um, if you are just catching up, yes, um, my partner and I, we are having a baby girl. And yes, like I say, due any day now. So excited and I don't know, excited's probably the um, biggest emotion, (laughs) a lot of other emotions going on there, but we'll wait and see. Uh, I'll keep you updated. I know, like I say, people have been asking about it. So thanks for your, um, sending in your thoughts and sending in your best wishes. Um, and yeah, I'll keep you updated at the moment. I'm sort of batch recording some of these intros. Um, I'll record this one and I'll record next week's episode, which we do have a success story next week. So, um, maybe if I have time to announce, um, a baby update, I'll probably, um, go back into next week's episode, redo the intro. But if I don't have time because I might be at the hospital or what what might have you, maybe, um, the recording that I'll do now will be out for next week. So, um, just an update on that. And, Let's welcome in some new patrons. We have Andersil, who has jumped into the honors tier, and Joanne Patterson, who has jumped into the tenure tier. Thank you very much for your support. Um, and this episode is actually a patron release. Uh, I'm going to do this every six to eight weeks or so. And um, this one in particular is an injury chat insight, one of my newest ideas. And this is for the tenure tier, those who are in the tenure tiers they will get these injury chat insight episodes alongside like every other cause this is the tenure tiers the top tier they will get every other um tier episode so they end up getting two episodes per week if you include the the regular feed podcast and alongside like you know online course content and jumps uh jumping on call with me um and having injury chats more frequently that sort of stuff which reminds me, like a lot of people say, Brody, you're very busy. You've got these blogs, you've got your YouTube, you've got your um, podcast, two podcasts, if you include the PHT one and you're also uh, an online physio, um, how do you manage to do it? And I like to repurpose a lot of stuff. Um, I, like, I want to just become the master of repurposing things and like not um, kind of like, you know, most value, most like enhancing your quality of time spent. And so like with these, patrons jumping onto more injury chats and me jumping on injury chats with other people, uh, recording them with their permission and repurposing them. And so we're repurposing them with these injury chat insights. This is a perfect example of that. And so hope you enjoy. Um, If you are interested, I think the 10-year tier, the top tier is perfect if you're currently really struggling with an injury, because like I say, you get to chat to me more often and you can have a look at these real world examples, have a look for some common themes, have a look at um, the online courses for answers there. Plenty of stuff. You get the book for like dirt cheap. So um, if you're injured, struggling with injuries, you know, the patron stuff doesn't have to be forever. You can unsubscribe at any time. Maybe when your injury starts feeling better, that's, there that would be a good time. But if you're looking for a ton of resources to help you out, it's probably um, the best option for you. And to help, maybe encourage you or see what content there might be here, here is a sneak peek. And let's dive in with the teaser of these injury chat insights. Uh, what I have planned since this is episode number one is recording injury chats. Uh, these are people who, once they sign up for a free 20 minute injury chat, um, they tick a box saying, yes, I'm happy for this to be recorded, to be repurposed, to help other runners or other um, injured people. And so um, I'm not just uh, recording them without my knowledge, without their knowledge. Um, and yeah, we pick the best ones, the ones that I think are um, have the most value for you to listen to and gain insights. And today we have two injury chats. We have Alex and Sarah. And we're gonna start with Alex. So I actually treated Alex um, last year, well, 2022, and it was uh, regarding Achilles and plantar fasciitis, Uh, but he signed up for an injury chat. He jumped on a call with me, but before we jumped on the call, his email said, "'You helped me in the summer of 2022 "'to tackle Achilles tendinopathy and plantar fasciitis pain. The plantar fascia pain is now the main problem and has started flaring up again as I try to resume exercise after a long illness. And so Alex um, was out of action um, due to an illness and now he's trying to resume exercise and this plantar fasciitis is being really stubborn. So uh, let's dive into my chat with Alex. Give us an update, mate. What's been happening?
1: Uh, so it was... Uh... Last summer you helped me when I had problems with uh, Achilles tendinopathy and also at that time plantar I'd had plantar problems trying to solve the Achilles tendinopathy. I was doing slow slow heavy um single leg calf raises which ordinarily I'd had no problem with, but this time I was trying to do it really slowly with about 10 kilograms, something like that. And I felt pain in the sole of my foot that I'd never felt before. And that happened to come about a week before our mm-hmm. first session together. So that was just sort of a coincidence there. Uh, the Achilles pain, uh, I've not had any problems with it since then, but this this plantar pain has continued to be a problem. So I... um After we stopped doing our sessions, I continued running and continued doing the strength exercises. And um, I came to this sort of the conclusion that the running was maybe not helping at the time, just because it seemed to always cause more problems. And I would have to pull back on the amount of running. And as it was getting colder and wetter, That was becoming less and less enjoyable to be spending more time sort of doing the walk the walk run at much much slower paces so i thought what i'll do is i'll hold off running for the moment i'll continue progressing the strength exercises and then when everything is uh fully sort of rehabbed, i can slowly reintroduce running again which was working fine and i did on my google sheet uh, I did get up to doing, uh, three sets of double leg calf raises at 30 kilograms. Uh, 12 squats at thirty t- kilograms, uh, six deadlifts at 12 and a half, and six lunges at 12 and a half. Um, so was doing very well then got COVID, uh, around Christmas. That completely kind of floored me for a couple of months, and I wasn't able to do to do anything. I just didn't have the energy for it. But then, when I came back, when I when I felt like okay, I've now regained enough uh, enough ability to start doing rehab again. I sort of cut everything cut everything back by half, which I thought was was a a very conservative uh, amount, but but maybe it wasn't enough and tried doing my rehab exercises again, and I got flare-ups. So I cut everything back again, got flare-ups, cut back the sort of number of sets, going straight back to body weight, all these sorts of things. And I just kept getting, uh, flare-ups. And so it sort of felt like, do, do I just have to start building up the fascia again, just from scratch? Or, or is there some other part of this puzzle that I'm that I'm missing? Uh, during that time, during the time when things had been going well, I'd also managed to transition out of just wearing uh, big, thick, supportive trainers back into my minimalist shoes again, and that had been fine. And I've maintained that. So, if I'm walking around the house, I'm in minimalist shoes, and if I'm outside anywhere, I'm in minimalist shoes. So I think I've been able to maintain some degree of sort of foot ability in that sense and as i walk around right now there's there's basically no no pain when i got up this morning there is a slight sensation in the sore foot that that something is different but really I i wouldn't even put it at a one but i know that as soon as i try and do some you know even one or two sets of body weight, double leg, calf raises, it will go up to sort of about a five by this time tomorrow. Okay.
0: Okay. Thought I'd chime back in here. So just prompting some of the conversation towards um, his history, his onset and just painting a better picture that way. So I've got that now. Um, Usually what I do in these injury chats is then um, sort of steer the conversation towards Diving deeper into how the symptoms are behaving, how the symptoms are responding to exercise, how the symptoms are responding to certain stimulus so we can get a better understanding and see if we can point out any particular vulnerabilities. And you can do this if you're managing an injury as well, trying to see if there are any weak links. So let's dive into that. So when you don't do these exercises and you walk around with these Mm. minimalist shoes and just go about your normal daily life, Um, symptoms, what, what would be your baseline symptoms? Um,
1: basically nothing, basically. zero. So pain free and yeah,
0: but anytime you introduce any of these exercises, pain will shoot up to like a five out of 10 the next day.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Never, never during the exercises. The exercises are always completely pain free. Uh, which makes it makes it hard for me to to gauge at what level I should be doing things because I feel like my actual sort of capability is way higher than the than the sort of capacity of the tissue. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, which is strange because I would like guess that if you're so deconditioned that the plantar fascia can't tolerate body weight calf raises you think that mm. walking around in minimalist shoes would also overload it, but doesn't seem to be the case. Um, you're confident that's no. that's an accurate representation.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, these are sort of these are the kinds of minimalist shoes that are sort of wear indoors, and so they're incredibly just sort of yeah. flexible. There's just a, a little little portion of rubber there, and that's okay. about it. Excellent. Um, Well,
0: it's encouraging, uh, but just means that you're probably really, uh, well, I guess when things do flare up, do they flare up when you don't do calf raises and you do things like squats, lunges, deadlifts, or is it just the calf raises?
1: Uh, That's difficult to say. I did try taking in and sort of removing some exercises and, uh, and, and that sort of thing. I didn't try getting rid of the calf raises, but I think the I think the the single leg deadlifts were maybe one of the things that had been causing flare-ups, and I thought maybe that was just because I was having to do my feet were having to flex so much in order to in order to keep me balanced. Okay. Uh, but but I didn't try just doing squats, for example, with no um Car phrases, my instinct would tell me that that would be fine because I think my squats are quite stable and you're not really asking much of your feet other than you know basic balance when you do squats.
0: Okay, so we're still not too confident with Alex just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. There's responses, not too confident, but I think we do need to, well, my advice anyway, would be to run certain experiments to better understand the injury. Um, we need more data essentially <laughs> if we're putting on our scientific hat. Um, so my advice would be like separating the calf raises from the other exercises. As he mentioned, he's sort of doing them all at once. Um, I would like to see what that would be like and what symptoms, how symptoms would respond if we run that experiment. Um, and then I do have a few other experiments for Alex. So I would say that would be my for sure. next experiment to run. Um, and seeing how you go from there, have you, speaking of running, have you tried reintroducing any like form of running and seeing if you can tolerate that?
1: No, I, I thought that that might be a a bad idea if I, if I couldn't, if I couldn't even handle the, the sort of the calf raises, then I figured that running is sort of like a series of small calf raises. You're right.
0: But so is walking, like when you, you, you can tolerate (laughs) that. So, So, um. Yeah. thought I'd ask. Uh, okay. I think I might have some ideas for like some next steps for you to approach. Um, one of those would be, okay, you can probably do some calf raises, but let's just start calf raises in shoes with reduced range of movement. Because if you're, if you're walking, if you're tolerating walking, that's, that's a calf raise or like, you know, at least a portion of it. But maybe the calf raise that you're doing is like a larger range of movement that really tightens up and puts a lot of tension on the, the fascia because um, there's this windless mechanism that happens. The more the big toe extends, the more that fascia underneath the, the arch of the foot winds up. And so maybe it's that winding up that it really is susceptible to or really like vulnerable to so maybe how we can bridge the gap would be to do calf raises but really control the range of movement that you you subject that fascia to i think it seems if you did that if you reduce the range of movement and it still flared things up still flared things up i think it would be something to do with like the brain just getting really overworked and anxious and fearful about doing that exercise rather than the actual mechanical Mm -hmm. load itself because it will make no sense whatsoever that you can walk around all day, minimalist shoes and have no issues, but then a reduced ranged calf raise flares things up to a five, six out of 10. That makes no sense whatsoever, mechanically speaking. But uh, we'll need to run a few more experiments to see exactly what that is. I say experiment number one, would probably be to do some strength training without the calf raise to see if you can tolerate that. Experiment number okay. two would then be to introduce some calf raises with a reduced range of movement to see if that is tolerated. And if that is tolerated, then we then can bridge the gap from there, probably introduce load before introducing full range of movement, but then you know gradually build upon that. And I reckon somewhere in there, experiment number three would be a walk run program, probably walk for, or let's say jog for 30 seconds, walk for two minutes, do that five times just as a first off, see how I go and then see what symptoms are like. Yep. Just you know, isolate that away from your calf raises. So we know that symptoms um, are behaving or like we're interpreting our symptoms pretty accurately, but I think that's what you probably could work on for the next couple of weeks. So I thought I'd um, produce this or select this as a injury chat, just so you can try running your own experiments, seeing what this is like in the real world. And if you do decide to run your own experiments, we want to uh, modify the variables. So like we say, range of movement, sets, reps, weights, Um, pick one of those things and make sure we isolate the variables. We don't want to change three or four things at once in one experiment, because if it's worse or if it's better, or if it's indifferent, we want to know what elements they were that made it better or made it worse and uh, chatting with Alex as you guess uh, we want to know the 24 hour response so run the experiment see what symptoms are like during after and the next day gather that data and then reiterate from there so let's wrap things up with Alex before we get into our conversation with Sarah
1: okay Uh, am I right in thinking yes though I was doing four rehab exercises before the squats, uh, single leg deadlift, deadlifts, the lunges and the calf raises, I'm guessing that the, the squats are probably going to have the least, the least, uh, F, uh impact on the sole of the feet. Is that right? I would say, so I, should... I
0: would say the squats and deadlifts are probably similar in terms of what they produce, uh, in terms of load mm-hmm. on the feet. Um, but calf raises and lunges are the ones that are probably the most strenuous because when you do a lunge, that, that big toe goes into extension again when you lunge forward, so that fascia goes under tension once again. And That's so, what I was thinking. Yeah, those, those two are the ones you need to, I guess, be cautious of or, like, you know, have awareness about because mm. they're the ones that load up the fascia up, the squats and deadlifts would, you know, be somewhat similar and be relatively low load.
1: I suppose for the lunges, if if it is that extension that's causing the problem, it's it's not really possible to do a reduced range of movement lunge as far as the foot is concerned. Yeah, is that right.
0: I would modify the so, exercise to potentially do a weighted step up. So mm-hmm. you're not doing a lunge; you're actually stepping up onto a stair or onto a box or something, um, and. Modify the height of that box so your, okay. your your back foot doesn't really go into a lot of extension like it would all the way forward into a lunge. So if we yes. suspect that lunges, body weight lunges are, are causing that, that would be my modification.
1: Okay, okay, that sounds good.
0: Anything else? Any other anything I've said that's been like requires clarification?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that makes. I think that makes uh, good sense. Uh, I, will, I will give those a go, uh, reducing, uh, doing uh, strength exercises without the calf raises, then introducing calf raises at a reduced range of motion. And then if that seems okay, increasing load rather than range of motion first, and then if that seems okay, including some uh, run walking and see see what happens in, in any of those phases, basically. Good, mate. Yeah.
0: And you've got a good head on your shoulders. It seems like you're very like deliberate and patient and know how to interpret symptoms. So I'll be excited to see how these next little experiments go.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much for making the time to talk to me again.
0: Okay. So I have quite an urgent email coming in from Sarah. Sarah says, I'm doing the London marathon in four weeks. I have PHT, which is proximal hamstring tendinopathy. It was a mild ache before Tuesday. I've had this possibly for three years and she uses the slap, slap the forehead emoji. (laughs) So she's had this for three years. Um, A lot of the time I haven't noticed it. However, I did a 15-mile run on Tuesday, and now I can't turn off that pain. It is constant. I was supposed to do a couple of runs as I've uh, just been having time off, and I couldn't even run today. I couldn't even run if I tried. I also woke up overnight and really don't want to withdraw, defer my race. Dot, 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 if possible. Dot, dot. (laughs) So... We have a, a flare-up of PHT. We have a race to prepare for. And let's try our best to get this under control.
2: Yes, yeah, so I, I listened to your podcast and I've, I've obviously got the marathon in four weeks. And I know you're not a magician, but I'm, it's, no. it's just advice that I'm really looking for. Um, I, I'm going to say that it was probably three years ago that I noticed that I'd had um, pain right at the top of my hamstring um, and it's funny because I'm a personal trainer but you don't get to learn these things it's just it's not something that's sort of standard knowledge and even with things like stretching it you think it's the obvious um, but so so. but it was always you know really mild background maybe you know score of a one or two not really even up on the three four so it never really bothered me enough to um, stop me running Anyway, I did London in October, and I did get a good for okay. age. I, got a, I did 3.45, um, and I... Well done. You know, d- it didn't bother me at all, actually, really, for that, but it's, it's it flares up very occasionally, maybe up to about three. three. Um, anyway, we've just been in France, and I had a week off. January, February, March for me is a crazy busy month, so it's very different from when I did London in October. I have just had so much work. It's been, you know, just spin classes and people, you know, uh, other classes that I train. I, I do a lot of um, Pilates as well, which I think is one of my aggravating factors. I teach pump as well, you know, like body pump. Okay. But I, I do it slightly differently. I do it the same similar format, but with dumbbells. Um, so it's lots of reps. So I think this is also a bit of a, a, bit of a thing that's um, a bit of an issue. So different in October, this time, so we've just been in France for a week and I was planning to do um, some long runs. So I did on the Tuesday, I did a 15 mile run. And the next day I, I couldn't sit down. I it woke me up at night. I mean, at six, you know, if not more. I mean, it was really, really bothering me. We went out for dinner that night. Uh, you know, I, I, every time I got up off the seat, it was in, you know, really bad pain. Anyway, I've been listening to your podcast and i I'd, I'd really, you know, seen don't stretch. And funnily enough, I, I think on the Wednesday, I was actually teaching an online, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, I was doing a Pilates class. So I just avoided any hamstring stretches. I I did ice it. And I know there's this big debate about ice. Um, and I actually saw a pharmacist there. He gave me Figwort, which I took twice. Um... And I do, I do take an anti-inflammatory because I actually have three issues with my back. I have axial arthritis, I have a herniated disc, which I have had um, eight injections in my back over the years, and I also have retrolythesis. So they they don't really bother me. You know, it's it's not something that stops me running. Um but so I have a, a low dose anti inflammatory which I can take, which um I did. Um anyway, day later um it it was better, you know, sort of like down to about a three. The next day I did run and I did 15 miles and it hasn't massively flared up again.
0: You did another 15 miles. I did
2: another 15 miles, but I kept it very much zone two. I mean when I say, you know, it was the bottom end of my heart rate. Of zone two, yeah, um, and it, it didn't really bother it. Um, I, I it's, it's not gone back up above a, a, a three. Um, I think I did everything in those two days. It uh, because I was on holiday, I could sleep. I rested it. I put my feet up. I didn't stretch it. You know, I didn't didn't sit. I just did everything that I possibly could. My dilemma is, I'm back to work this week, and I teach like Pilates twice today. I teach um the equivalent of like a a pump um but it's you know it's lots of reps so it's squats it's lunges it's lots of deadlifts so what I did last night because I taught like a conditioning last night is I I did some deadlifts and I they're they're slow anyway so it's like four down four up but you know because I have to do clean and presses with it um I I only picked up 16 kilos so eight each is each side and it was with dumbbells and it was both feet on the ground so it's it's really it's it's how am i going to get through the next four weeks because the next two weeks i was planning to do and i know it's not the traditional training plan but i was going to do a 20 this weekend and i was going to do a an 18 the following weekend and i know normally people go back to 13 but i was going to try and do a just because i put myself in for something
0: Okay, this is a tricky one. So we have a flare up, but at the same time we have a race to prepare for. It seems that the slow running is okay, seems like she can tolerate that. So um we'll keep that in the back of our minds, but we also need to address her work, which is like aggravating factors, taking classes and all those sorts of things. That seems to be almost more of an aggravating factor than the running itself. So it's time to get into damage control mode. Uh, and I do have a few ideas. Do you have a notepad, pen and paper, or are you typing this? Because i got some advice Yeah, for I, you.
2: I've got, uh, I'm writing it.
0: Okay. Um, yes, you're right. Don't overstretch. I think if you avoid overstretching, then that's going to at least settle it down and avoid some irritation. The other thing is modifying your sitting. So if you... Find that sitting for long periods of time causes irritation. You can change the surface or you can do a sit-stand strategy. So sit with a cushion or raise yourself up into a higher seated position so that your knees aren't above your hips. Um, And, you know, you can modify that. I think you're on a a Swiss ball. I can see from the bounce. Yeah. Probably on that. Okay. Can help. But a sit-stand strategy like, you know, 30 minutes of sitting, Fifteen minutes of standing on and off can help that irritation. So, so
2: generally um, with my job, I hardly ever sit. I mean, I'm on my feet all day, but I do teach spin.
0: Okay, yeah. So, what if you are?
2: What would you suggest for that? I mean, I um, could teach it off the bike if it was. Re- if you if you thought, do you know what? That's just going to be a a risk factor.
0: Teaching off the bike is safer, but also if you have to get on the bike, um, standing up on the pedals, not sitting down, standing up on the pedals. Yeah is the best, the better way to go about it. Um, If you have to do classes that involve like lunges, squats, deadlifts, all those sorts of things, uh, you would reduce the range of movement. So, you know, maybe when you demonstrate, you might want to do full range of movement just once or twice to demonstrate the exercise. But if you have to do 18, 20 reps, Reducing the range of movement to like half range is going to significantly reduce the strain on the tendon, yeah. especially for lunges, especially for squats, especially for deadlifts. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
2: And, and does um, it matter that, that it's, I mean, it's only 16 kilos, or do you think I should try and put on a bit more than that?
0: If you wanted to do it with higher reps, no, no. I wouldn't. If you wanted to do some slow, heavy stuff, um, you would do like – if you want to do the slow stuff, you can go heavier, but it'd have to be like, you know, your yeah, eight rep range yeah. rather than 15 up to 20. But the fact
2: that I'm doing so much other stuff, I mean, I, I do think about whether I should put in some heavy stuff, but actually, because I've got these other ones that I've got to do, is that I'm not then going to exacerbate? You know, should I just it leave could, it yeah. for a couple yeah. of weeks? I mean, on the taper, I, I've canceled, you know, I've got cover for my glasses, So it's really, I've got a two week where I'm trying to peak, you know, as much as I can now um where you know i'm I'm trying to still train but you know the two weeks of taper i'm going to reduce it massively anyway and i've got a bit bit more uh you know but i can't do that for four weeks
0: yeah i would say if you can not like if you attend classes or you're taking classes involves like pump and moving around that's just adding on to the risk of you know your recovery if you didn't do all those things and you just had time to yourself, yeah. I would do the slow, heavy stuff yeah. rather than the the weights because tendons can have an analgesic effect, which if you do slow, heavy loading, then it makes you feel better. Yeah. Like You feel like you have more strength, more power, less pain. And so you can use that to your advantage in these next couple of weeks. You can do that with isometrics, so like a long lever yeah. glute bridge yeah. hold. You can do that periodically throughout the day like two three times Unfortunately, a day i teach pilates a
2: lot so I, i've been they in there <laughs> so they you know i'm doing a lot of those in but, but, but this is the other thing is i'm doing a lot so you know it's trying to reduce what i'm doing because you know I, doing them every so often is one thing but when i'm trying to teach a class where i've got 40 minutes of you know or an hour of doing you know yeah stuff that is involving Hamstring lengthening and I'm trying not to put it in at all. But so I'm putting a few bridges in But you know, nobody's now getting any stretches or I'm just if I if I have to demonstrate it I'm even doing it with a bent leg and just explaining that I'm just not lengthening it
0: Thought I'd chime back in here uh, just to mention um, or discuss with Sarah the pros and cons it's probably a good time to bring this up because when there is a race to prepare for, there's no right or wrong. There's no, should I run? Should I not run? It's all about just weighing up risks, rewards, pros and cons, um, particularly with her work. If her work is aggravating these factors, you know, most people have to work, but some people have the luxury of, you know, saying they can take some time off work. So I thought I'd bring up that conversation. Yeah well, this is just potentially the risk you're taking on. Like if you're attending, if you're teaching these classes, um, again, like you you have to do what you have to do. You have to do what's in the class. If if I were you, if you want to give yourself your, the best chance to succeed at this race, then it would be to not do those classes and focus on yourself, focus on the right strength stuff that you should be doing. But, you know, we're human. We ha- Sometimes we have to sit down. Sometimes we have to drive. Sometimes we have to attend and take classes that, um, you know, if you decide to do that, that's fine. But it just adds in a bit more complexity. Right. Like you say, it adds in a little bit more accumulative load throughout the week that we need to sort of factor in. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe isometrics aren't the option for you because, like you say, you've got so much else going on. These are the things you have to weigh yeah. up the risks versus rewards and, you know, make a decision. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, that's, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm always worried about. And the other thing that I was worried about. I bought some compression shorts. Um, I haven't, I haven't actually run in them. Right, she bought them when I was away, um, and because of the fact that obviously I don't want to do anything new, I was going to try them this weekend. Would you run in compression shorts with it?
0: No, no. I don't. I don't think it'd have much benefit. No.
2: Okay. But, but anything yeah. detrimental?
0: No, I don't think so.
2: Right. Okay.
0: So nothing um, either way. No. Um, so we've got the the stretching, we've got the sitting, we've got the, the range of movement with your exercises. Um, we've got your isometrics or the slow, heavy loading. You can definitely weave that in if you have time and if you're not overloading the tendon. Yeah. So maybe on a day where you're not taking classes and those sort of things, I would definitely sort of integrate that in. Um, but on times where you are taking classes, modify the stretches, modify the exercises, reduce the range of movement. It's going to help at least settle down like um, what could potentially be another sort of aggravating factor. We're sort of calming it down as much as possible. What what about massage? Um, I've got some advice. Uh, Massage can be nice at settling symptoms, but won't do anything to heal the tendon. Okay. I just wanted to do why aggravate it. It can if you aggravate, well, Massage can aggravate if you stimulate the high hamstring area. Like if they're digging into your sitting bones and they're really trying to release trigger points and sort of get in really brutal through the irritated area, yes, definitely it will flare it up. But some people have calming massage around the glutes and around the hamstring belly and avoid the sitting bone irritation and they can, you know, that's okay. feel better afterwards. Right. Okay.
2: Yeah, she, I mean, normally yeah. the girl I see, she's quite deep, and I, I would try and sort of probably say to her, don't go deep into the area
0: Yeah. for the moment. Just avoid the area.
2: Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay.
0: Hmm.
2: I'm just hoping I can get through the next two weeks without, <laughs> you know, without, and just being able to do the long runs. That's my main concern, is not, not aggravating it. So, uh, you know, teaching the classes, it's trying to pull back as much as possible. Of those yep. ones and not doing anything. So I'm just, I'm just not going to stretch and, you know, not going to yep. uh, do too many lunges, too many on partial range.
0: Okay. So now Sarah, hopefully <laughs> has some clear instructions to go away with uh, in particularly the areas that are aggravating the symptoms the most. So that hopefully fingers crossed things start to settle down and, um, then she can attend like her slow runs. Hopefully it doesn't get irritated with her slow runs. But as we're wrapping things up, I thought I might reinforce a lot of the things to do with running because we haven't necessarily talked about the running elements yet. So I thought I'd dive into that. Yeah. Advice with your running, I would say 100% you're avoiding all kind of speed work. So even if it's just running a little bit faster than usual, you're going to keep all of your running to like zone two, really easy running for the next couple of weeks. Right.
2: Okay. So, so, so nothing, nothing, speed work at all. Yeah, that's fair enough. No. I mean, I think that's one no. that on the on the Tuesday I was doing some tempo, so it was. I think that's what what really triggered it, and it's it was very hard. You know, the road was you know there was a, a hill there was you know it was all of that sort of stuff so, that's
0: my next point <laughs> and, and i just you're jumping t- in front of me <laughs> 2, two
2: i've done an ultra i've done actually i've done part of an ultra which was in um the um hills round here um, near guildford box hill Leith hill and then i did a the, the Leith hill the half which was uphill yep. so i think those yep. two things started it
0: Yes, well, that's my advice. Avoid speed work from from now on. Avoid hills, avoid especially running uphill. It's going to compress the tendon and put more strain on the hamstring. So, um, I'm not saying avoid this altogether. I'm saying in the Jeez. weeks leading up to this marathon, yeah. you're going to have to reduce that just so, otherwise, the tendon's not going to settle. Yeah. And so, those are the the variables you want to change when it comes to your running segments.
2: Yeah, and there's not there's there's nothing else sort of uh, positioning wise. I mean, you know, it's, it's too late in the day anyway to sort of. Uh, I mean, I, I do look at all my running form, and uh, you know, generally it feels like it's okay. But you know, there's nothing else that you suggest that I do.
0: I mean, it's, it's, what's your running cadence? Uh,
2: well, this was the thing. So on um, Tuesday. I I wonder whether I was overstriding a bit. Um, I think it was a bit lower. I think I was running at about because I was running with music. I was running at about 176, whereas that'd be fine. Whereas then on the on the uh, Friday, I then put in some 180s.
0: Okay, yeah, they're they're both within the realm of like acceptable. Um, as long as you keep slow and as long as your cadence is high, yeah. you're giving yourself the best chance for things to settle down.
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely try and try and run at a high cadence. I mean, I try and keep it within that sort of – but I tried to up it on the, the following – on the, the Friday just because I was feeling like I could run a bit taller.
0: Okay, yeah. And it wasn't um, – Not too much difference between – one seventy six and one eighty. Yeah. It's like kind of they're both in the high range, so it shouldn't have too much of a, a difference.
2: Okay, well, I think that's uh, you know, it's, it's giving me some things that I, you know, it's all the stuff that you say in your podcast. But it was just it was good to be able to just discuss some of the my my class stuff with you. So thank you yeah. for that. That yeah. was interesting. I mean, if it wasn't for your podcast, I just would not have known. I mean, it's you know, you learn lots of stuff when you're. Um, you know do your personal training but unless you, i mean in a way because i've had issues with my back sometimes having these things in a bizarre sort of way they're actually quite good so i then pass it on to other people you know if you have have an injury you can really relate to somebody and you can then see things in a different way you can read things in textbooks but they don't give you everything you know when you when you learn stuff as a as a personal trainer it doesn't cover every single injury it doesn't cover every single condition so you know, in a, in a bizarre way, it's actually quite good to have them. I don't want it. And I definitely don't want it to ruin the, uh, the marathon, but it's given me a different understanding.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, with these tips, hopefully it can help settle things down. And, um, hopefully you have my fingers across for you. Thank you. <laughs> hopefully these next couple of weeks go well.
2: Brilliant. Thank you. I really appreciate your time.
0: Okay. That is it from Alex and from Sarah. Um, I hope you enjoyed this particular structure of an episode. Hopefully you've learned a lot. I think real world examples are are pretty cool, pretty neat that we have the ability to do that. Um, These calls, these free injury chats are available to you. Um, So if you ever need help, um, you can always jump onto those calls and yeah, I hope you can take advantage of that. Depending on what patron tier you are in, you get access to me at various frequencies. Um, But you can always learn more and more from these chats. So hopefully you enjoyed and we'll catch you next time. If you are struggling to overcome an injury, you can jump on a free 20-minute injury chat with me, which you can book through my calendar in the show notes. While you're in the show notes, elevate your running IQ by jumping onto my free email list so you can receive material to help rehab your injury, lower your injury risk and increase your performance emails aren't for you consider my facebook group instagram and youtube channels and remember each insight you get from these resources brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough